Sports Interaction, Canada Sportsbook. Salut tout le monde, bienvenue, hey everybody. How, how about that? That was a great win. The Canadians showed a lot of pride tonight, obviously. Fantastic 5-2 win, and we saw great stuff from Nick Suzuki. Yoel Armia, all of a sudden comes out with that big, big game we knew. That was his big game. His one Mario Lemieux game. never going to score until like 2027. Hey, that's a hat trick. It's fantastic. See Mike Hoffman goal? Yeah. That was good. All in all, I think uh, if you're a Caps fan, you're probably a little embarrassed by that. But that was one of the most complete games the Montreal Canadiens put together this year. Yeah, I mean, I think you have to consider the Caps were shit for sure. <laughs> I would I would put this one below like the game against the Bruins a few weeks ago. Right? Like that was like a fantastic performance. But this was a, a, a great, like considering the situation and how bad they were the last three games. This is huge. Yeah, I mean, almost everyone on the roster deserves to be proud of what they did there. And that night, that was fantastic. So, obviously, we're going to get to all our fantastic people in the chat. Who do we got here? We got King of the North. We got Jean Small. We got Trinka. We got Paper Dolls. We got Dina Zalou. We got all our regular fantastic people. And we're just so happy to have you with us because the key here is having a good community. That's honestly what we want. And all of you are a huge part of that. So thank you for your sustained support this year. It has been fantastic. We're going to bring in our guest in just one moment. But first, a quick word from our sponsors. It's March Mania at Sports Interaction. We got NHL, NBA, March Madness. Now that is the good stuff. Oh, March Madness. I think it's over. It's over. Hey, we're in <laughs> April now. But we can talk about how the March Madness was fun. We had UConn, took it all home. That was great. And LSU won as well. So there is so much more going on. There's always soccer. Arsenal is about to win the league. That's very important. Is it? Well, for me. Yeah, okay. Uh, you can play Panada Picks, Minute Madness, exclusive games. There's live in bet there's prop bets there's everything at sports interaction so make your next bet with sports interaction download the app in ontario use the qr qr code where you see like i think it's like here-ish or no i think it might be here either way uh, yeah it's on my side uh and head to sportsinteraction.com slash sdpn that's sportsinteraction.com slash sdpn 19 plus please play responsibly happy pride absolutely trinka uh just wanted to we're, we're oh beautiful little jersey this is the older one and you're seeing here, it's Fanatic. So I, I wash it twice, so it's falling apart. But <laughs> this is the one shirt I kept from Fanatics because it's important to me. To everyone that's uh, in a marginalized community, we're glad that you're here with us. We love all of you, full support, and we're glad that you're watching. Let's bring in Ian, our good buddy Ian, and see how he's doing. Hey, guys. Hey guys Ian. That, that was, was fun. fun. Right? Yeah. 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 It's a good hockey at the end of, uh, uh, of the season, I think genuinely this is good for i was telling andrew at the end of the year we need some of this for the montreal canadians because next year is going to be different so finishing on a high note pretty important isn't it yeah, yeah. and i mean it's it's it, they, they played, played an opponent, opponent that found out yesterday they were eliminated and i think that, that was very apparent for all 60 minutes <laughs> they, of they were at chez paris earlier weren't they <laughs> yeah <laughs> most likely so i mean I mean, the parts that you'd like to see going are going. Um, you are me, obviously, the standout in this one. It's, I, you know, I think I mentioned all year that he's had, if he had, if he didn't have bad luck, he had no luck. Like, he's had a brutal season. Um, it's nice to see him, you know, have that sort of moment uh, right before the season ends. Just for him to be healthy as well is just a massive benefit, um, you know, just looking forward to next year. Absolutely. Hey, Ian, for now, we're actually going to try to fix. We have a little bit of echo on your end. So 
Andrew's trying to fix that. And I'm going to go ahead and just rant. Uh, it, it, we've heard that I'm able to rant once in a while, but I will say this about what we're seeing from guys like Nick Suzuki, uh, what we're seeing from guys like even Mike Hoffman, who I genuinely think has had a pretty darn good year. Guys like Armia as well. Um, it, it's good for their mental health to have these good games, these fun games. I know people are going to talk about the draft and whatnot, but you can't go through the entire season being the worst team in the league. And the Habs, do you think they'll be bottom five next year? Because I think they'll probably be in the mix for about half a season. And having Nick Suzuki play well, very important. Can we, can Did you hear us, Ian? Could you hear us? Can you hear us? No, no, he okay. can't hear us. So he, he plugged in the headphones and now he can't hear us. Ian can't hear us, but it is very important. And we're seeing Nick Suzuki, the key here tonight, 62 <laughs> points. That is a career high. And he's been doing it with, um, for those that have watched The Wire, uh, you know, moyen, moyen teams, and they haven't been so good. So I'm excited to see what a guy like Nick Suzuki can do with a roster that isn't uh, one of the worst teams in the league. I think having guys like Cole Caulfield take a little bit of pressure off of him and incoming, there's so many quality quality prospects incoming will be huge for Nick Suzuki. So when we talk about how far he's gone and the potential he has with this team, I think it's very important to remember where he's producing this points and it's at the bottom of the standings. Nick Suzuki hates losing. You can tell it's wearing on him. So it's really important for him to get going. But this is just the beginning of the beginning for Nick Suzuki, in my opinion. Um, oh, hey, by the way, yeah, there's you can go Noel. Is it Noel or Noel? Because I've been massacring it one way or another all year. Let me know. Is it like Noel Gallagher or is it uh, Joyeux Noel? Either way, you can go bid on the pride jerseys that the Montreal Canadiens produced. Fantastic. And one of the things when I was working with them that really bothered me is that they kind of just, it was a secondary thing. They never talked about the artists. And now they're talking about the artists who are actually part of the LGBTQ plus community in Montreal. Very important. Um, the pride jerseys themselves are gorgeous. Go ahead and bid on those. And then it's going to go to a very, very important uh, resources. Can you hear us, Ian? I got, I got you now. Okay. And oh, we can we can hear you good? too. All right. We're back okay. to life. So, Ian, you all are Mia. Um, how many goals next year? Uh, I, mean, I mean, if he plays all 82, you got to imagine, imagine one every 12 games. games. He has a multi goal game. So, I mean, that, I don't know what the math is on that, but someone can, someone can do that in the chat. Well, here, let me defend you all are Mia a little bit because Please. I, I think, like, first of all, Watching him tonight after the hat trick, he was just so happy. I feel right? like you gotta be a little bit happier. I know everybody kind of hates the guy, and I understand it. He's really inconsistent. I, I don't. I hate what Marc Bergevin did to the guy. That's he, what I hate. Yeah, the contract yeah. is what's really the problem, right? And I, you look Marc Bergevin short sighted. No. <laughs> no, don't don't try to preempt Noel, okay? <laughs> uh, and he says Noel like Gallagher, so no. Oh, okay. All right, but uh, Armia, if you look at his Habs career, and you actually. Look at like his goals per 82. It's basically like 16 goals a year. Third line, that's healthy. It's, like, it's not bad. It's not yeah. bad. His production's not bad. It's just that he's very, very frustrating because everybody who watches the guy can see that the talent is there and they think that he's not trying. But I think the, pro the problem isn't that he's not trying. I think he lacks like the processing speed of what makes players... The computer. Yeah, get to like 30 goals, right? It, yeah. You look at him take shots, he has a devastating accuracy. That second shot. goal was the yeah. thing that you see from him a lot. Exactly, just, but most times yeah. he like pump like double pumps on the shot, right? Like it, it it just doesn't have the speed of release. He doesn't have the speed of decision making to make him that next level player. And now obviously he's 
being paid like a third liner. He's really more of a that. That was Lekin and money guy. too. That's yeah. why I'm also bitter. That was Lekin and money. Yeah. King of the North says that he loves that Noel developed a chat gimmick. And I will say there was a bunch of comments early in the stream asking if uh, Mark was sitting on a milk crate. My cha- <laughs> my chair is really high, but also Mark's five three. He's yeah, been I, hiding I, this fact his entire life. But, uh... And also, I am sitting on a milk crate. Like you know what's funny? I was talking to Andrew at one point. We were we were doing some tech stuff, and I had to set up. And I said I'm sitting on a milk crate, but I'm like. And he's like, oh, those old school ones? I'm like, yeah, but I actually had a wooden one with, like, the glass <laughs> bottles in it. And he meant the plastic milk crates. So, no, I had, like, a milk crate. Like, it's, yeah, you could build a foundation of a house on that. But, okay, to go back to what we were talking about. First of all, shout out to everyone in the chat. We haven't really been hanging out with them too, too much yet. Um, Alyssa's, uh, Alyssa's, I believe, still in Taiwan. So, ni hao. Washer bu hao. Washer han hao. I haven't really, you know, not, I haven't slept very well either. So I'll be honest. NZG is a war zone right now. There's no power. That's why I'm Shay, uh, Shay Andrew. But what do you tell me about Nick Suzuki? I want to hear how good he's been and how good he could be, Ian, with a team that's not in the bottom five. With with all due respect to Rafael Hervé Pinard, with legitimate first liners. Like Nick Suzuki has been playing with the Mike Hoffmans. And again, he's been okay. But I'm talking about real first liners. Where's the ceiling for Nick? Nick Suzuki. Yeah, and on top of, you know, having legitimate first-line talent with him, just considering any kind of consistent line mates, I think, would be would go a long way in benefiting, you know, his overall production. I mean, he sets a career high, I think he sets a career high in points today. Um, ultimately, I think he could end up being a point-per-game kind of guy, um, but it doesn't, you know, I think that getting Caulfield back long-term, Finding out whoever's going to play on the left wing on that line um, is going to go a long way. But I, I, I do think that the the, the sky's sort of a limit for him still. Um, also, you have to consider that like most nights, almost every night actually, he's matched up against the other team's top. He's getting petrated, you know. Right. Like there's one guy to to, to cover. Right. And, you know, that's a solution that the Canadians fix with more depth, with with having an actual second line of, you know, you know, because <laughs> right. Even when they had, you know, towards the beginning of the season, when they had all their health without that second line, without having like, you know, a Kirby Doc lining up down the middle on the second line, it was impossible to get Suzuki away from those kind of matchups. So hopefully that's something that they can adjust moving forward, especially with a certain, um, you know, uh, winger hoping to come and play in Montreal next year or as soon as possible, as soon as his general manager will let him free. <laughs> yeah. And obviously we're, we're talking about um, AJ Greer is, uh, is the guy that, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So <laughs> is, 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 do you really think, let's say we talk about Dubois, we have to address it. A lot of people are worried. They're saying, Oh, you're too much center depth. You're getting too much quality there. You have Does to that exist? What are you do- That's my question. Like when's the last time, at the beginning of the year, we even said, oh, the Habs have center depth, and it just evaporated like a yeah. fart in the wind. So th- there's no issue. I know you can play wing, but there's no issue bringing another talented center in Montreal, right? No, and then that's never a problem for, like, I don't know, the Olympic teams. Like, when Canada's at the Olympics, do you think they 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 give a crap about how many centers they have? Like, they've got they, – they sometimes they roll out there with eight centers, you know? Like, it's right? just – that's the way it is. I think it's a better – it's a good problem to have, which Montreal has not had a lot of, over the last few years, mostly mm-hmm. just bad problems. Um, that would be, you know, especially considering a lot of them are right-handed, which could go a long way. It's sort of not a, it's not a, a huge market efficiency at the moment. No. Um, 
but you know, it, it I, I don't think that that's a legitimate problem to have as far as, you know, roster construction, just like how, you know, people are getting worked up on, on defense. Well, we don't really have a ton of right-handed defensemen. Well, Montreal's not in the market for that right now. They're in the market for good defensemen. Why don't we get a bunch of good players here first and then figure that out? And then worry about it instead of doing like Babcock back in the day. Remember with Subban at the, the Olympics? Like, yeah, he yeah. might be my third best defenseman, but we have too many we have too many guys playing on that yeah. side. Yeah, we've got to play yeah. Dan Hamuse. <laughs> you have to play Dan Hamuse. It's very, very important. Who's a good player? Just maybe not Team Canada quality. Hey, man, at one point, Pat Falloon got invited to Team Canada. So that's like, you want to talk about... Uh, this is, I think, the first Olympic. It was Nagano. And Canada Galaxy brained the whole thing and oh finished God, yeah. like eighth or something. They're like, no, we have to have a checking line. Like, no, you don't. No, you absolutely <laughs> yeah. do not. Who was the, the face-off specialist they brought? Oh, I'm it, not like it's it, it, it Peter Zezel-ish type like player <laughs> there. Um, Nothing's funnier not to, to me than, than them bringing Kunitz just because he would ride shotgun with Crosby. That was the funniest. It, like, like, he, one. he did nothing. It didn't like work at all. <laughs> well, Crosby didn't do, you know what? I'll say this. Right before Crosby scored, I was in the middle. I had a bunch of friends over. I'm like, this guy's had a shit tournament. Crosby's been terrible. He Get him out of here. He hadn't though. He I, led the entire tournament in scoring chances by like 15. Yeah, but he had like one point at that point there. You know what I no, mean? He, like, he hadn't scored a lot, but he was incredible. Anyways, he went up to score literally as I'm like, point final, put an end to it. And oh, Crosby, golden goal. So maybe, <laughs> yeah. maybe you don't listen. Maybe you don't listen to me. And one thing I always hated about Kunitz, if he, if Crosby gets a plus one, why doesn't Marie-Philippe Poulain get a plus one for um, Sophie and Sophie Bette, who was actually better than Kunitz? She led the CWHL in scoring three years in a row. So... There There's grievances from old C CWHL coverage. <laughs> That's what we're here for on the stream. So if you love it, make sure to like the stream and ah, subscribe. Rob Zaminer. That's the guy they took to Nagano. Rob Zaminer. Thank That's you, exactly it. Thank you. Yes. Thank okay. You, Peter, I thought Peter Zezel for some reason, but yes, Rob freaking Zaminer. Okay. Yeah. And I just, I just want to take a second here. Uh, ben Becker in the chat. Uh, if you're actually eight years old, I, this is probably not a show that you should be on. If you actually do need help though, uh, you can reach out to me on Twitter. If you're a troll, though, and you're going to start making trans jokes, uh, you'll be banned so fast yeah, and so, you will never be welcome back. But there's resources. Me. So there are resources. And if you want, you can hang around and just send us a little message there. All right, bud. We got you there, Ben. Okay. So moving on. King of the North wants to talk about who's the best defenseman this year. Matheson. Well, I was going to say Chris Weidman, but sure. Yeah, you, can, <laughs> you can talk about Mike Matheson. I mean, what, we, what did we say during the game? He's a reason to watch these games. He's a human yeah. highlight reel. He's doing things that I, I think, like, I don't want to say that he's better than Prime Petrie because it really diminishes how great Petrie was. Petrie's defensive had. acumen was way, way better. Yes. Than, than, like, we saw, like, tonight, remember when Matheson made that bad read and he went yes. right? Petrie did that very rarely except for towards the end. Yeah. So I, I, I don't want to, sh like, shortchange Petrie, but, man, this guy is the most dynamic defenseman they've had offensively since Subban. Mm-hmm. And probably a better skater than Subban, which is saying a lot. Laterally, prime yeah. prime Subban was an incredible skater, great edge work, <laughs> hilarious to watch, dude. <laughs> yeah, I mean, when he would try to do too much and fall on his bum. Yeah, no, no, it's just Subban skating style. Do you ever remember when someone made fun of him on Twitter and he's like, "Is that is that really how I look?" It's like, yeah, man, that's exactly how you look. Yeah. <laughs> well, but, it's like, uh, do you remember when Brandon Press made fun of Alex Galchenyuk and he nailed it completely? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Doing the <laughs> We're making very dated references for a lot of people who right. probably don't even remember. Those two. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do you remember when when Odie made fun of Clegg, Clegg, uh, uh, Cleghorn? You know his brother. Uh, <laughs> Those good times. But Mike Matheson, man, how important yeah. is he for this franchise moving forward? Because I think he makes Nick Suzuki better. It's not just making his defenseman better. 
he makes the entire team better. And he's a reason, like Andrew said, to go to the games, to watch the games. That's still important. Yeah, yeah I think a lot of the, the scoring troubles, I think, in the past are due to, yes, lack of talent up front, but also a legitimate, inefficient way of getting the puck to those attackers, right? Like, mm -hmm. you know, the, the days of, of, you know, Ben Sherratt, those kinds of guys that are making their way out of this roster, right? Like, I mean, I say that, and this game, Joel Edmondson just took a, a slap shot off the boards that bounced perfectly to Nick we were, Suzuki. I think what you mean... I think it was what you mean, Ian, is it was the greatest off-the-glass dump-out in the history of hockey. We were, we were just talking about his decision-making isn't always great. It's actually terrible. And then he banked because he had just whiffed, and then he banks one off for a breakaway. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah but, I mean, Matheson is is that, you know, he's part of that current wave of NHL defensemen, right? Like, I think tonight he rarely actually played, like, a stay-at-home style. Like, he he flies up the ice. He's more of a rover than anything, um, which is he's been best forward. Watch. In March, yeah, Joel right. Edmondson. <laughs> no, no, yeah. <laughs> Are we talking about Joel Edmondson still? Yeah, no. no, definitely. And a note on Jeff Petrie, a friend of mine mentioned to me yesterday, Jeff Petrie is now minus 120 for his career, which I don't think plus minus matters at all. But that's kind of funny. Like, it's a legitimately funny number considering, you know, he, most of those are from Edmonton. And that was yes. a very long time ago. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, Mike Matheson, um, in terms of his transition, which, which defenseman? are going to benefit more of it. Is it Jordan Harris? Is it Kenny Gooley? I think a guy like, in my mind, I like Gooley. I think Harris can become much better in transition. Yeah, uh, I, I think it's Harris is going to be the biggest, just based on skating, right? Yeah. You know, just learning through osmosis what Mike Matheson is able to do. You know do Kay right now is upset that we didn't go with. Well, I mean, Caden Gooley is going to learn from, from him as well. I think Caden Gooley's offensive game is already better than Jordan Harris. Yeah. Though. Like, mm -hmm. he has good instincts. Mm -hmm. He took a huge step in the last year, junior. I mean, mm -hmm. his shot is, I think, better than Jordan Harris. And... He he was a power play QB for with the Oil Kings. Yeah. He had never done that before, and it just blew up. Like he was instantly good at it. Yeah. So I, I think Caden Gooley he will learn from Matheson for sure. I think it, it'll be about like when to take risks and and when to not. But Harris I think is the guy who can make the biggest change in transition because like right now he's a good transition guy. Yeah. But I think he could be a great transition player. I don't know if Matheson picks his spots that much. I think he just goes. He just yeah. goes. Yeah. Just full set. <laughs> I, I think that's also like the. The scenario that he's playing in, right? Like, <laughs> they don't really care if they lose. The options are few and far between. Yeah. As well, if you notice with Matheson, he'll look. He's like, no option, no outlet. Okay, I'm taking it. I'm taking yeah. it myself. We're going to go. Yeah, I think that's a good point about, you know, situationally, just not only in each game, but just the situation these Montreal Canadiens find themselves in. Like, they're playing loose because there's not really a whole lot at stake. That's going to change when it's, you know, game 76 in a season where they might be a bubble playoff team, which might happen in a year or two. Like, does he take those same risks? And is he as effective because of his decision to take those risks or not? It'll be an interesting way to see how he, you know, sort, sort of not tones that back because I think Matheson is really effective when he's just fully authentically who he is. Mm -hmm. um, but like just seeing how players make better decisions because they have to make better decisions right now. They're kind of learning on the fly, which is it's he's super fun to watch. Like regardless of, you know, a lot of times being a fan nowadays gets wrapped up in charts and numbers and stuff. And he's, his numbers look pretty good on most nights, but just visually like, you know, guy do spin. It's pretty fun. Like I enjoy watching that sort <laughs> yeah. of thing. Yeah. Like I like seeing cool dudes do cool stuff. Like I don't, I, I think that's why a lot of us got into this sport is because, whoa, look at all these guys doing fun things. He's super fun.
it's getting the, people's asses off his seats and that's there's so yeah. much value there um you know it's the same reason at the beginning of the season people talked about arbor jackai i'm like listen you can't discount the entertainment value of arbor, arbor jackai he's gonna make this season fun yeah. now they actually kind of run random a little ragged there and and i think there's a lesson to be learned there with he can't be fighting he can't be getting rid of 10 years of montreal canadian's insecurities in one season you know because there's always been that size insecurity let's be perfectly honest since the sense since the sense beat yeah. them up in the playoffs it's been and even before that well i mean yeah. frankly that's like is much there's it's in the fan base, but I feel like that's also driven by the media. Oh, there's a certain section of media percent. that are anglophones that I won't mention that I think would rather be cheering for the Bruins. Yeah. Oh God, yeah. And and the whole well, also time. the Bruins are, are good, but, but yeah, you know, no, but I mean no, like even yeah, the when the Canadians Bruins. and Bruins were both good, like the Canadians would beat the Bruins in the playoffs, and these guys would be like, they gotta get bigger, no yeah. matter what, gotta get bigger, gotta get gotta yeah. get huge. You can't you can't beat the Bruins with David Darnay, and it's like. They they just they just did be the they did they routinely did it yeah they like skated around like Chera and Chera was like what the hell was that you know like fee fi fo fum where did you go you know and yeah I know absolutely but entertainment value is key as you say going down the stretch here there's also people in auditions so where do we see let's talk about Rafael Harvey Pinal next year is he top six or does he have to start all over again man it's really challenging because he's I. I watch him play, and I I can't help but think that he plays like a top six forward. Just he's just playing in, like Suzuki a bit. He like sits. He's smart. His play in front of the net is so fun to watch because he he is so small, but it just doesn't seem to matter the slightest bit. Mm-hmm. I I'm curious to see what his next contract is going to look like. He you know I tweeted the day before he changed agents. You know, I wonder if anyone realizes he's on a contract year. And then the next day he joins Kent Hughes' old agency. So it's like, okay, I think they very much realize that he's on a contract year. I, I got to wonder if he's like, hey, Kent, you know any good agents that I can hire? <laughs> or no, hey, hey, Vincent, like, can I get your brother's number? It was Vincent Le Cavalier's brother who's his representative. Awesome. It's just like, there's yeah. no nepotism in hockey. There, there's there's not. Well, and there's absolutely no, you know gaming gamesmanship there from the Hughes camp and be like, Oh yes, go with my old agency. We'll yeah. negotiate a fair contract. I feel like he's, don't worry. I feel like he's been pretty open about how he's gaming the system. Like he, he said, NCAA He's like, no, I'll never have it. He's like, yeah, Jordan Harris will sign. This is like yeah. before. And people were like, what the hell? Like, right after Mark Bergeron was like, yeah, he, he wants to go to the Bruins or Rangers. What can we do? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so no, I, I, I love that aspect. Okay. But I kind of feel like he actually has to fight all over again in training camp to remind them because like the team's getting better. This is he only got that opportunity because of injuries. He mm-hmm. would still be in the AHL if not for injuries. I think he has to prove it again. He shouldn't have to, but I think he has to. I think he has to prove that it's not a fluke, right? Like he need if he can score even like one goal in preseason, mm-hmm. he's going to get a really good chance to stick in the top six. What I would like to see, even if he has a rough start in preseason. Or at least try it in preseason. Stick him with Suzuki and Caulfield. I know it's yeah. small. I know him. it's a small line. But then you've got Kirby Doc and Josh Anderson in there as well to like pound guys. Uh, as uh, Olivier Bouchard, who is one of our favorite people we used to work with at EOTP, used to say, big bodies banging down low. That's uh, what the old school guys love. But uh, you got to go get pound them boys in the corner. Yeah, like Raphael P- Harvey Pinard has uh, possession driving ability. He's got underrated passing ability. He can score goals from areas where not many people can. And he can pull off in, in front of the net. Elite plays too. He can pull like, off elite plays. Stick him with Caulfield and Suzuki. You already have so much offensive chemistry. He does the mucking in front of the net for them. He's yeah. also a voracious four checker, just like they are. Like, I don't know, man. I think it could work. It, I it's, see it. Before the season started, I was talking. I forget who I was doing a live thing. And I'm like, who, who are they going to play with? And he was suggesting Gallagher. So this kind of follows that. that line. But how about this? Gallagher's back. He is yeah. back. So why, Ian, maybe Brendan Gallagher gets on the top line? 
maybe I think too, like we're forgetting, and I don't, I don't think Slavkovsky is going to automatically jump in and be a first line player, but like we have to find a spot for him, right? Like he's, he's probably going to sit somewhere in that middle six. I can't see him being a fourth liner next year. Like it's not even, you know, when we say that Harvey Pinard's probably going to have to earn it, it's not even just a slight at him. It's just a numbers game, right? Like there's, there's, there's only so many spots. Um, it's, it's what, you know, even if a guy like Jesse Ullinen had a really great, you know, tryout with the Canadians right now. And he's, yeah, he's doing good. He's playing pretty well. He keeps finding himself in dangerous spots, but like he might just be a victim of the numbers game. Like it's just, it's, it, it, again, it's a good problem to have. Um, it's the same thing that I look at on, on defense with this team. You know, we just saw, um, we just saw Lane Hudson's team lose in the final four. And mm-hmm. folks are kind of wondering if he should come over. I kind of mm-hmm. wonder if they leave him in college for another year, mostly because, you know, two. he needs to bulk up to or two, whatever. And also just to clear up things on their own blue line. There's too many bodies there now. And there's too many bodies on their way up. They, like they need to figure out who's going to be here long term. Um, mm-hmm. And that's what, you know, when people say, oh, these games don't matter. Like they do matter in the sense that like they're giving them a sample size to, to work with. Absolutely. No, absolutely. I'm just worried, like you, it's the circumstances upon which their opportunities yeah. came that kind of worried me, right? Because that won't be there. Yeah. In the long, like, I was just telling Andrew, Alex Bezil, in my mind, is the perfect number 13, right? First sure. of all, play up and down the line, can go to Laval. And also, it'd be nice for him to make a million dollars instead of like 60000 a year, which is what he's, <laughs> yeah. or even less. I mean, he's earned it at this point. Oh my he, God. He, he's going to have to earn it again. But I he, think. but he should be like at, penciled in, not pen, penciled in as the 13th forward to fourth line center next season. I think my prediction for next season is because, you know, we talked about Pierre-Luc Dubois. I think personally that it's going to happen. Oh yeah. I, th- yeah. I say, wait, yeah. if he really wants to play, prove it to me. Yeah. I don't think they're going to have to give up much for him. That's the thing. Cause they have so much. Maybe leverage, Florida's right? first might go, but we'll see. But uh, I think the, the one thing that I think is pretty solid next year, if Pierre-Luc Dubois ends up in Montreal is the third line, I think is going to be doc, Anderson Slavkovsky. That and would be like, a really good third like, line. Number one, that's a huge so, third and, line. Yeah, Slavkovsky with Doc. Oh, oh my God, that's who. Right? That's who Slavkovsky needs is Doc. He needs somebody who has that cerebral presence, creates right? time and space for him on the rush. Oh, and like oh. playing off Anderson, I think as well will, will help because yeah. he played a bit with Anderson at the beginning of the year. But Slavkovsky, like, a- Anderson, yeah. Oh, in the before times. yeah. yeah the <laughs> like Anderson at the beginning of the year was basically Anderson of last year. Anderson in the second half of this year was a completely different friggin' player. He turns yeah. left. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so having Doc insulate the, like, the defensive side, Slav and Anderson kind of like pushing the envelope <laughs> offensively. Man, uh, <laughs> the funny thing is, okay, Trinka has been on a roll there, and so is but um, and so is Trizak, and I'm not going to confuse both of you to this. I will, <laughs> but uh, the giraffe line now that that's pretty much, but yeah. And as Kay says, Doc on the third line, people would riot, but but somebody's got to play the third line. It, I mean, it doesn't matter what you label the lines, right? You're going to have Suzuki. There is no such thing anymore. It's like middle six. It's yeah. There's well, no... like, and th- for good teams, right? You have your top line, and then it really good teams should have three scoring lines and a fourth line that can bang and score. Yeah, right. So like, Doc's only going to be on the third line if Pierre Luc Dubois. Oh is yeah, looks still on the and club, AD, right? AD nailed it. I also pulled off the Doc uh, Anderson Slav combo. Jeez, oh, I didn't even see that. That's awesome. I'm going to call you on plagiarism on that one there. PLD <laughs> would uh, compliment Suzuki Caulfield the best. I mean, I don't think they're going to acquire PLD and put him on the wing. I think 
having the ability to run. Oh, you want him as your second or first line center? Yeah, three, three like 80th percentile centers mm-hmm. down the middle. Like that's or that's the difference between being a good team and a contending team. Ian, what if I suggest that Pierre Luc Dubois should make, play first line center while Nick Suzuki plays on the wing? Is that the dumbest suggestion you're going to hear tonight? I, yeah, because Suzuki's better defensively. Yeah, uh, yeah, I mean, but his underlines are rough, man. They've been rough for two years now. Like, eh, yeah, he's been playing I, with doesn't matter. the la poubelle. <laughs> let's be yeah. honest. But I don't know. I don't know that. Like, I, I know that a lot of people get really upset when that question is posed, right? Because yeah. like, he's like the defensive, he's, like weirdly he, defensive about. Yeah, it. <laughs> he's the captain. He is our number one center at the moment. Like, they they would see that as a demotion. Personally, I, I think Nick Suzuki's a team guy. He would welcome that sort of, you know, opportunity to play with really skilled hockey players, um, really focus on a, on his offensive game. We talk about his defensive strengths and we talk about, you know, him, you know, playing against tough matchups every night. Perhaps if he moves to the wing, those defensive responsibilities kind of go away a little bit and we see a player who can really, you know, blow up score sheets. Um, you know, like tonight was his 19th multi-point game of the season, like, Really? Perhaps we're seeing a whole lot more of those. I think my my thing with Suzuki is if he's going to the wing, the center has to be significantly better it's at Kirby playing. Doc. It's center. Kirby Doc is your center. No, not point. even that. I mean, like Kirby Doc. I like Kirby Doc a lot. I don't think he has a higher ceiling than Suzuki. I think a lot of people do. I think that's based think on does, size and being the new hotness. Ceilings he's closer to the ceiling. Yeah. <laughs> closer to the ceiling. He can touch it easier. <laughs> but like, if I'm moving Nick Suzuki to the wing, it has to be for a center that is significantly better than Nick Suzuki. And I like Pierre-Luc Dubois as like the the player. Like he's a good player. Defensively, he's not even close. Defensively, he's not as good as Suzuki. Doc, I think, is better defensively than he gets credit for, but obviously he's not playing the minutes that Nick Suzuki is playing. I think Suzuki has the greatest, like the feats. Like he has accomplished the most. Oh, he's players. got the nicest feet. The feet yeah, he's, yeah. When he gets those dogs out, man, you <laughs> you watch the all-star game in Florida. He used to be an NFL no, no, no. coach. Uh, <laughs> we're not going to turn this into a feet stream. Adam Wilde is not on the show. Uh, <laughs> but if, if you're moving. I don't know what that means. I'm a little yeah. terrified. Now. Oh, <laughs> last year for the draft, Adam like put his feet up on the stream, like not wearing socks and people were going crazy. They did like a draft day stream. Were they like, they were the only fans in it, like giving him bad, like <laughs> they were like making, telling him to open an only chats. It was unhinged. And anyway, Robert hates Adam for this. Like, <laughs> I'm with Robert. I don't know. Like, Robert. Yeah. Robert had to like ma- manage the discord, which oh. was like for like 10 days was just people being like feet, feet, feet. So like, a, anyway. like, a, like the New York Giants head coach or New York Jets head coach, he's big into feet. Yeah. Okay. To my point. Feet. If you're, if you're moving <laughs> Nick Suzuki off to the wing, it better be for Connor Bedard or Adam Fantilli. And I agree with that. The only reason I did like it was that the few times where Kirby Doc was placed on the line and he started taking the face-offs, it actually liberated, like you said, Ian. Uh, he was just focused on driving the play. And actually, he had really high, high points per 60 when Doc, the few games. So we're talking about a tiny sample size. But as we see in the chat right now, they did not like my suggestion. Not, <laughs> no, I, don't, I don't think it was a very popular suggestion. No. In, in no. this economy? <laughs> no. And, and, you know, when, when all those pieces are here, if Dubois is here, whoever the Canadians draft this year, whether that's, you know, one of the first two picks or someone five, six, seven, or eight, um, you know, I, I think that it's also important to, to think about the fact that they finally have a head coach in place who's probably going to play them in the right places. Um, you know, like if this was Ducharme or Tarion or even Julian, really, like it'd be kind of tough to believe that they were going to put a roster out there that made sense every night. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it, you know, next year, I think 
there's going to be some growing pains in figuring out like where all these guys are going to play. As much as we say the preseason is too long, it's not that long because they don't play all those games. Like they, they have to play two or three games as an ECHL team before they can actually, you know, start playing yeah. the regular players. So it's going to be a, a work in progress next year. It's uh, the preseason isn't long for like figuring out the team structure. It's long to watch. It sucks. It sucks. <laughs> like, it's, it's just so awful. bad. It's so bad. Ugh. I bet every year I'm like, oh yeah, first preseason game. Can't wait to watch this. And by the end of the first period, I'm like, how many more games of this? Yeah. I'm not gonna lie. I like there was the red and white game for the Habs, and I'm like, yeah, I'm not. That's it for me. That was like that was like my I'm pushing. It. <laughs> I haven't watched one of those in a few years. It was yeah, it's been a while. It, I was I was going because I was sitting with Owen Beck's parents, and I just wanted to see the reaction for his story. That's the only reason the agent was like, come watch the game. But that said, hey. I'm, I feel like for some reason the chat thinks I don't like Jake Evans. I was the original Jake Evans booster. Oh, there goes the tick. I was the original. Oh, I, got, I got some nice hair going on there. Um, in Laval, like he was completely being ignored. And I remember writing an article for the the Athletic, and Arpin came and he's like, "Man, you're pushing way too much. This guy is not NHL like worthy." Oh, throwing Arpin out of the bus. No, I, hey, Arpin like turned me into a much better writer because I was trash. But he missed that one because he took out the line at the end. I said. Jake Evans wants to make the NHL and be it'd be wise to it'd be uh, you know uh, not wise to bet against him. Same thing with Brazil, and you took out both those lines. Seven years later, I would have looked so smart, Arpin. I would have looked so smart. But where does Jake Evans fit in all of this? Because I was saying when he came back, it's harsh, but Jake Evans' place on this roster is not guaranteed. He's one of those guys that could fall out of the lineup. He was playing his best hockey before he got injured. He picked up right where he left off, in my opinion. Him and Gallagher both need to yeah. reestablish their spot in the lineup. Yeah. Does, I really like Jake Evans. It, it's it's hard. Not like me. To, I hate Jake Evans. I, <laughs> I mean, I I find he's one of those guys where I would find it very hard to like move him out of the lineup because I think also he has the versatility to play wing, right? Like, and he's a leader on this team because remember when stuff was going terribly wrong, he was the one that was actually like let's let's be honest. Nick Suzuki at about game fifty five was having a hard time, you know, finding motivation. Jake Evans went out there and he's fighting guys. Yeah, we don't want to see that with concussion, but I still think Jake Evans has to prove that he needs that he can bring value to this team even though we know he can now let's talk about christian dvorak because he's even lower on the death chart let's be yeah. i'm not gonna lie to you i had forgotten that christian dvorak was on the team until right then Is <laughs> yeah he that's yeah he's, he's, he's done for the year yeah i mean okay we, that that phrase has been thrown around a lot recently they're saying like done for the year there's five games left like like i understand that that that's the point they're trying to get across but it makes it sound so much more dire no, no like, they mean the calendar the year yeah. yeah, it's until like until December thirty first. That's what they yeah. mean now. The Habs, <laughs> but like, I, yeah, Dvorak. Like, I don't know. I I feel like they have to try to move him because like, I just it hasn't worked here, and it's you know he was put in a tough situation, as were a lot of players that Mark Bergevin called in here to fix issues that he had it was created. A rough summer, rough summer. <laughs> it was a bad summer. Um, I like I I I I would pick Evans over him. I don't and. You know, you have to start looking ahead. Like, where does Owen Beck make this lineup in the next two years or so? Or like, next year. Yeah. Or next year. All the year. center depth has probably made Owen Beck's junior career a little bit longer. Yeah. But, I mean, the reason Mississauga traded him was that they were assuming that was it for him in junior. Yeah. Now, let's be honest. We might have overhyped Owen Beck. That's hot. Maybe. But, I mean, he, he might... had a rough year. It was a busy, busy ass well, year. Well, he had a rough year after the trade. Mm-hmm. Like his first is Peterborough was a mess though. Peterborough was a huge mess. Like in Mississauga, he was having a huge year. Mm -hmm. It was after the trade. But just think of how busy it is. So with the Habs, you get drafted and then you get your entry level contract, your great dev camp. Uh, you show up Mississauga blockbuster trade team Canada last minute, you know, now you're back into the playoffs with another team. 
and you make your NHL debut. Yeah, how many coaches has he played for this season? Like six. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah. does what do we? There's one back. Like do we, he goes back to junior, I think now. Eh, at this point. Yeah, I, I mean, I, it seems pretty clear. Yeah, because I mean, is it still? Is he still of an age where like it's junior yeah, or? Age, there's no HL. Yeah. Right. So it's such a dumb rule. It, it it is, but I kind of understand it. Like I'd rather him play top six minutes there than you know play middle six or bottom bottom six on the Laval Rocket, right? Like it's 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 probably better for for the player. But go out there and go get eighty points, you know? Right. Because that's right. two years in a row now that Beck kind of peters out towards the end of the season. So it'd be nice then to have like a. Full, he actually you know? finished stronger. It was like uh... he actually had ten points in the last eleven games. But you're right. Yeah, it's just his point per game pace just collapsed. Yeah. Peterborough. I've heard a lot of bad things about Peterborough and the way that they play the game. <laughs> Basically, it's like Me too. The, the, the muckers and grinders are like elevated and their skill guys are just held. Oh, I just had my uh, Kim, my high school. Yeah, she came from there. I hate Peterborough. Just <laughs> the city of Peterborough. Garbage. <laughs> yeah. I will say there was a, a question here. Uh, who was it there? AD asks, if the Habs don't trade for PLD, they kind of have to keep Dvorak for next season. No, I mean, it kind of depends, right? Because I'm looking at the depth chart right now, right? You're looking at Suzuki, Doc. I would put Jake Evans Christian above. Mark Evans, yeah. Ja- Evans Jake Evans is above part. Christian Dvorak for me. As, as soon as he gets a bit more minutes, he starts producing. He actually wasn't great on the fourth as a fourth-line center, in my opinion. He, it's, it's great defensively. He yeah, but there's, he, he can't produce there, and that's not his fault. No. Like, he's not, yeah. But then, like, honestly... Is Christian Dvorak better than Alex Belzil? I'm going to ask the question. I'm no, sorry. not at, not. Alex Belzil had the fourth highest points for 60 in the NHL this year. Well, I mean, yeah, yeah but he's not probably going to be a, Shut up. Honest. Shut up about that. There will be no Alex Belzil slander on this chat. On a shooting percentage right. of like 15%. I, I, shut up. Okay? <laughs> I forgot about Alex Belzil. Yeah, no, we don't need Christian Dvorak. I mean, you want to have some depth. No, no. Yeah. As who brought it up in the chat. You could find depth. You can find a cheap guy on July 1st if you really wanted to. You know, like, and I think yeah, Bill will be your cheap guy on the right, when he signs I, his new contract. I think those those a perfect thirteen, just because you know, it, it sort of reminds me of like uh, this is this is a guy to remember, but when Joel Ward was here on a PTO, yeah, like it, the goal was basically like if you are worse than Joel Ward, you are not playing for the Canadians this year. It's, he, it's the beating stick like, there. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, like, okay. he's he's the Mendoza line, right? Like, he's the like Mendoza line, you yeah. need to if you're not better than Joel Ward, you're not playing for the Canadians it's, in track and field. You call it the beating, yeah, the stick, like the person right. that you have to, yeah, yeah. We, yeah. we used to call that the Blunden line. Remember? The Blunden, the Blunden line, line, Mike Blunden line. Yes. Oh man, that was sad times. If Mike Blunden was your Blunden line, yeah. Uh, but Alex Bez at UFAK, there's a really good point got brought up in the chat. Dvorak's Dvorak in, in Bergevin short-sighted no um gave him a non-trade or no move either NMC actually a no trade it's contract. a modified modified, modified no trade clause that kicks in at so he probably has like six teams that he can name so it'll actually become difficult because you you have to protect an asset like Christian Dvorak you gotta give him all the guarantees well that's actually Oilers something Bergevin didn't do because they just they just traded for him so he they acquired a player who would then be more, harder to use which is even funnier to consider Fair enough. So does that mean do you give him a little more leash? Dvorak? Yeah. You trade him in the draft. <laughs> You're Try. just like, just get uh, it. At, yeah. at this point, it's two years, and I know it's been two tough years for the whole team, but like mm-hmm. in two years, there's been like a two-week stretch where uh, two-week stretch where Christian Dvorak has been good. <laughs> it was at the end of the season last year. And even at that time, like, yeah, his offense picked up like he, he can sit in front of the net and tip shots he's a good net front guy 
But is Sulkin is a piece of wood with a, like a vice grip on right. it there. <laughs> but like in order to produce at the level that he would need to justify that contract, he's probably got to be the first wave power play guy. And yeah. he's not better than Raphael Harvey Pinard in that position no. in like as the bumper or net front guy. Mm-hmm. So where does he fit? Right. And his defensive numbers are atrocious, like mm-hmm. yeah. among the top five worst which, in the league, which is surprising because he actually had really good defensive numbers. He in, had in like Arizona. mediocre. At well, best. but on Arizona, on the or sorry, I don't know where they were at that point, but for the Coyotes, I mean, they were better than they are now, but they were like thirtieth percentile in the league. I, hold on, it's, no, no. If it's a competition of who has the less broken leg, then Dvorak is the clear winner. Oh no, uh, I mean, it's it's you know, I think most of this fan base wanted Dvorak when this was when that was unfolding. They were like, oh, it's a center. Montreal can go get him. But in retrospect, like. Christian Fisher is right there. Like he would have been a guy that would have made a whole lot more sense coming out of Arizona. I feel like every time I'm on here, we end up talking about Mark Bergeron, which is just a bummer. It just, I, I kind of, well, it'll take you know years that Alter's to watch contract's about to, uh, about to uh, not be on the cap anymore. Do you know who signed Alter's contract? Gave him yeah. a helicopter ride and everything. They gave him a helicopter ride. That's how like, I talked to Alzner and he's like, man, no one came close to offering me half of what the Habs did. And it's like, and the Habs thought that they were fighting against someone. There was no one else. Like the Habs were fighting against like, yeah, yeah. Like, like a cat in a mirror. (laughs) (laughs) Dennis H reminds us that the, it's going to be more crowded up the middle when the Habs pick top two. Oh, it's going to happen. Jeff Gordon has good lottery luck. He He just wins. All he does is win. Unfortunately for his uh, Rangers team, they just didn't develop any of those picks. Yeah. Development's a big part of it. Yeah. yeah, unfortunately. Okay, going down, we we and we're gonna get into. I'd like to talk about it, get a segment to uh, talk about Pride and all that. But before we do, yeah, like the stream, guys. Mm-hmm. There's enough people in here. We should get more likes than this. Come on, help us. If help us grow. If you don't like the stream, uh, he's sending me back to NDG in the cold. That's basically <laughs> what's gonna happen here, right? So good old NDG was free. I yesterday I thought I'm like you know what this is not. I have a whole kit for NDG. I have like speakers and and iPhones just for music, so I can like. I told I have beers that have been in the fridge for four months that I went and I drank. Um, I ran out. I bought five hundred tea candles living in NDG. I ran out this year. Five hundred. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it goes quick. So if you don't like the chat, I have to go back to NDG, and I, I'm gonna go have to sleep in Slovakia George's kitchen. So. Yeah, Kay mentions that Christian Fisher once got his ass handed to him by Nate McKinnon. That's what I know about him. Is he the guy that Nate McKinnon threw the helmet at? <laughs> that was I think like, that's right. <laughs> it was like, just winces at his ass. Kay would remember that. That's awesome. That was the most legendary, <laughs> stupid shit. And he, like, he, he whizzed that thing. Like, have, do we, we need to talk more. I know it's not at the Colorado Avalanche podcast, but we need to talk more about what a piss baby Nathan McKinnon is. Oh, I love and it. I, I love him yeah, for it. Yeah, I love him but for like, it. Do yeah. you remember last year he slashed a ref? Oh, oh yeah! Did you get? Did you get a face? Yeah. yeah. No, he didn't. Because they. I don't even think he got a penalty. (laughs) No, they reviewed it and they were like, "It's it was accidental." Accidental. But like like... the ref dropped the puck in a way, or I guess it was a linesman, not a not a ref, so it was official. But uh, they dropped the puck in a way that it like didn't go the right way, and it was a bad face off, and they had to redo it. And I think they dropped it like the wrong way a second time. And McKinnon went off and freaking slashed the official. You're going to make Kay so, leave. That's not it's good. It's so clearly <laughs> yeah. on purpose. If you watch the re- it's so clearly on purpose. But I still love him because, you know, 
a, a piss baby who's that talented who wins the Stanley Cup. You gotta we we, we in this house we respect talented piss babies. Okay, that's <laughs> except right. for Brad Marshall. I was no, yeah. I, I I love Brad Marshall. I, know, I, I, I know. absolutely love him. Now I will say this: when I was watching, um, I lived in Ottawa, so Get Snow was right there, and Get Snow was playing Halifax in the playoffs. So they had Jonathan Frick, Jonathan Drouin, and Nathan McKinnon was a line. McKinnon and Drouin would come back to the bench and eviscerate Sham every single shift. Like they'd turn around and just be, like yell at him. Just they seemed like two of the most, and, and I'm not saying that's how they are now, but they were pretty darn entitled as young players. Like they would they would play a full two minute power play, and he'd pull them off the shift after, and they're like, "Why didn't you leave me on the ice?" Like they were they were Kovaleving him pretty hard. So McKinnon has seen, a bit of a history there. I don't think yeah. I've seen Duran yell once since he got here. Like I don't think he's ever raised his voice a single time. So that is no, no, of- no. He, he went from, from like him. a loud kid to one of the nicest. Like, yeah, he's actually yeah. I, seriously my favorite guy in the NHL, just as a person. Absolutely. Yeah. Did we want to talk? Obviously, one thing that was really important tonight. Um, it was the Pride Night in Montreal. So, uh, one of the things that I do have some insight on is how these things are put together. And in previous years, it was quick, it was hasty, it was more check it off. Nowadays, they're talking to the artists, they're getting people involved, they're doing important grassroots raising stuff uh raising money for grassroots operations and um i'd like to say obviously Guryanov. um well t- andrew has a take on that but for the most part and i know this is really hard to, to to hear especially if you're in the community especially if you're marginalized it's unfortunate and it's no one's fault how we're focusing on the bads but there has been a lot of good that has come out of this um i know for a fact some of my colleagues you know how important it is to them yesterday i was talking to kat Tafoli, just you know talking about the thing in alberta how important it was and she was saying the teammates love it so what's your view in all this through it's been a pretty rough year for for getting through all this Ian, what's your yeah. take on how montreal did it yeah um you know as someone who's not from that community i won't speak to like the mm-hmm. you know the efficacy of the messaging in this sense um but you know I'm I, I'm I'm an American. I live in the United States. It's a it's a rough time for for folks who are you know represented by that community. Out, you know I, I don't I don't think I've mentioned this before. I have a twin brother who's um, who's gay, and and I don't mention it a lot because a lot of times that's just it becomes like well I have a I have a gay brother, so like that's it's not your story, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's like the black friend thing, community. right? Exactly. And you know the night that you know this is gonna. Turn into a thing, but the night that Lucifer Ginsburg passed away. Um, Hold on one second, Ian. Can you are you can you get closer to your mic? We're losing yeah, their sound. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry. It's just because I want to no, hear this. Good. I want to make sure. Yeah. Yeah. No. Um, when the night that Lucifer Ginsburg passed away, you're we're still you're still really quiet. I don't know. Yeah. One second. Oh, there, there you go. go. We're getting go. better there. Yeah. No, no. Again, only when you said yeah. Get it. Yeah. Get it. Like. Yeah. It just yeah. plummeted out of nowhere. Yeah. Like right, radio, the, the trick was like now it's as you're about to make out with the mic. Yeah, yeah. We're good here. Yeah, that's much better. Better. Perfect. Okay, I'll move up even closer. Yeah. So the night that Ruth Bader Ginsburg passed away, um, my brother called me and just said, "We're me and my my uh, boyfriend, we're getting married. We can't wait anymore." And it was just sort of like a moment for me that that just shows how like you know their lives can just be changed in a moment just because you know someone in power is is not in the right spot and it just you know these nights are important in that sense because like my brother doesn't like hockey but he likes his hobbies to include him he likes his hobbies to be something that he can go and do and not think about all that stuff that's happening like hockey fans should they deserve to be able to go to these games and feel like you know first and foremost that they're safe there 
um, which isn't always the case, but also that like the, the people that they're cheering for, you know, respect them and, and are accepting of, you know, the, the people that they are. Um, so, I mean, it, it means a lot to see this and, and just from like a Canadian's perspective, right? Like this idea, well, you know, it's just a hockey team. Why does it matter that they do this? If your belief is that the Canadians are just one of 32 NHL teams, I think we've lost the plot. Like they are, it's a cultural institution. Stay close to your mic. Yeah, keep going. Yeah, it matters that they're doing this sort of thing, right? Like, so I, I think that, you know, from a, the NHL as a whole needs to work on how their messaging, not so much the teams themselves, but like how the NHL is like Gary Bettman, what he said at like this last week or so was awful. Like he just doesn't know what he's saying. He doesn't know what he's talking about. He's a lawyer. He's a lawyer. Yeah. He just lawyer speak. And I'd rather him not speak. Um, so, you know, I, it's, it's an important night for me just because like, I, I like to, you know, I want people to feel involved. I thought Marty St. Louis said some really great things today. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I thought all the players did it. it I don't want to focus on the guys who, who aren't participating because I think that detracts from a lot of this, right? Like mm-hmm. I'm not going to even, I'm not even going to name them by name because it's not worth no, but, it. But like, and, and it's, it's tough to, to, it's tough to ignore at the same time, right? That's the other part. Like, yeah, you, you absolutely. Know, like, it's the elephant in the room. Like it's, it's mm-hmm. impossible. Um, but you know, I think all things considered, like the Canadians are taking these events seriously, which they, matters. They, they absolutely are deal. now. They yeah. used to not. I'll t- I'll tell you, but I'm so proud that they are now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'll I'll just restate my mm-hmm. thoughts on the situation tonight. Uh, I think the Flyers were the ones who set the standard, and it's a mist- Like it's it sucks. It's unfortunate, but if you don't take part in a team event, you shouldn't play that game. Right. It doesn't mean that you're standing with the organization needs to like <laughs> fall apart, but like. It's just like anything else, right? Right? Like Joel Durant, he got scratched essentially, for sat on the bench. 120 seconds late to a meeting. Yeah, 120 seconds late to a meeting. And like, yeah, that was his mistake for sure. And even if somebody has legitimate reasons, their fear for their family, whatever, you just tell them, okay, that's fine. We're going to further remove you from this night. Mm-hmm. You'll be back in the next game. Mm-hmm. Don't worry. Mm-hmm. You don't have to worry about it. But we're not going to let you be part of it. Because it's a distraction. It's like anything else. You know, if you don't participate in the team event. You're not, like, it's just one game. It's not going to hurt anybody. Also, also, just on a, like, a a statistical point, Sean Farrell, like, you actually have a pretty darn good hockey excuse. Yeah. I don't want to, like, say that you need a hockey excuse, but Sean Farrell... It was right there. Was, there. But there was also one there in that we, we off, you, Hold on, hold on. We, we brought your audio way up, so we're, hold on. Yeah. <laughs> now, now your mic's working. Yeah. Try again, Ian, real quick. Yeah, yeah. One, two, one, no. two. Yeah, we're good. Yeah, we're good. Okay. And not only that, like, like Gurionov has been enough of a hockey reason. Like, the, tonight he was pretty good. But the, the games leading into this one, he was invisible. You know, like, there was a reason there to not play him. And I know people go like, oh, well, you know, you can't bench somebody because of the country they're from. And that's not what they would be doing. Because mm-hmm. if that was the case, every Russian that's been benched over the last year would have a case, right? Like, that's not that's not how this works. So, you know, uh, Gurionov's situation is sticky. The Canadians could have just f- done a better job handling this, just as everybody could. If you don't participate in warm-up, honestly, you're kind of putting yourself at risk, right? Warm-up, you're supposed to go out there and get ready to play the game. It's part of your routine. Hockey players are creatures of habit until suddenly they don't want to wear a jersey. Like it's it's fascinating how they've we've kind of just allowed that to be part of of these nights now, which is frustrating. Yeah. 
And I think that there is something to be said for like whether the fear is rational or not for for Russian players. Like if you look at the actual Russian law, it's just a small fine. But like I understand where there could be paranoia. Mm-hmm. Putin is a psychopath. Mm-hmm. And I, I will say also that like based on what the players were saying yesterday and what they said today before the game, it seems like mm-hmm. Guryanov was actually supportive. Right. But also didn't want to fearful. Yeah. The one thing that I will say is I'm so proud of hearing stuff from um, Jonathan Dubois, for example. Yeah. He is, just, and um, you know, when we talk about leaders on, on the ice, to me, a leader goes beyond that, right? Because as we talk, like like Ian said, if you think the Montreal Canadiens are just another team, it's not true. Like I learned that when I work with them, some stuff I would say would reverberate, like really far and be like oh like at one point when we did the shoes for the uh, missing indigenous youth you know obviously the genocide that happened in canada it, it went to the parliament okay like that's where we realized that it reverberated so far um but i will say this i'm so proud of seeing jonathan Drouin stand up for it and um uh, i grew up in an era where the word trans didn't exist it, it, like it meant trans fats like it literally was not yeah. spoken of yeah. um i used gay uh slurs i'll, I'll admit it until uh, right about university and this, again, in the 90s, not an excuse. I was just ignorant. I didn't know that. So one of the great things about these nights, um, especially for old farts like me, is learning. And it's key. I, I've been so lucky that I can just sit back and absorb. But I've learned so, so much. And it's through guys like Jonathan Wayne, who's younger than me, um, some of our colleagues, I was just mentioning mm-hmm. in chat, I'm learning from them. And I'm so happy they're willing to essentially be my Wikipedia, which is not their role. It's like, it's almost insulting. I'll be like, hey, like, I'll, I'll look, but... I'm so happy with the next generation is willing to tolerate how ignorant I am about it. As long as I'm willing to learn to me, like it warms my heart that we're so lucky that we have another generation and guys like Jordan Harris are going to end up being leaders, not just on the ice, but in the world. And the Montreal Canadiens are lucky, lucky to have people like Jordan Harris on their team and guys like Jonathan Dwayne that are willing to speak up. So I understand there's been a lot of negative in the last while. And it's so hard to not talk about it because we knew this was coming with Provorov. We knew this was going to create a domino effect. But I will say this, and people in the community might, might, might sigh and roll their eyes and they're right to do it. But from where we came from to where we are now, we've done like the evolution just in hockey. And it's, there's so much work left to done has been huge, like huge social matters were not spoken of. So as frustrating as it is, and I understand it's frustrating, especially in the community, because because these are things that affect your life from day to day. I will say this, man, the changes have been huge and they're going to get better. Like we're going to continue to improve. Well, and, and that, that to me is encouraging. That is something that we have to like continue to focus on, because I think you cannot you can't blame anyone in the community the lgtp for being sorry, upset absolutely for, for being upset or feeling scared they're being right attacked. now they're, they're, yeah especially they're being told it's a choice yeah i know but like just, we sorry, also do have to realize that like the bigots that are pushing a lot of this stuff the the people who are pushing back in hockey like i'm sorry for for all of your pain and anguish that you grew up with that you feel this way the fact is you who feel that way the bigots you're dying you talk to kids these days, like Gen Z and younger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's are, why I'm so happy. I'm like, so encouraged. Yeah, they are totally inclusive. It's a totally different world. Like you think millennials are annoying, <laughs> boomers. Dude. Like just wait, it's yeah. gonna be. <laughs> I've got a so little much sister more in college. Inclusive. The Zoomers are annoying, but they're they're like I'm I'm very proud of that generation. Um, it's really cool seeing, you know, kids like my sister come up in a world that they're trying to make better. Um. Mm-hmm. You know, that's I think that's that's ultimately what all of this is. Right. Like it's not it's not the 
observation of a world that is perfect, but the idea that it ought to be like that's pride nights are, you know, this, the statement hockey is for everyone kind of gets thrown around as like this catch all bullshit. It, bullshit. It, it's one of those words that they tried to make mean everything and in turn, it means nothing. Um, you know, it's, yeah. it, it's, but as an ideal, it ought to be for everybody. There's nothing about hockey that should be pushing people to the outsides. Um, you know, so it's, it, it was a, it was a good night. Um, it was nice to see, you know, you all are me taped his stick all the way down with pride tape during warm-up. Armia then, did it for the gays there. Yeah, you know? like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then he potted three. So, you know, it's it was it's good. I, I'd like to I hope that teams are not scared off from doing this stuff in the future. I hockey's very conservative, not only politically, but you know, generally in their actions and doing things. Um so I'd be I mean this year was the first year ever where they had one in every city. It'd be mm -hmm. I'd be shocked if it if it happened again next year where every city had one just because of like the stuff that happened. But I hope one of those cities isn't Montreal. I hope they continue to, you know, be on the cutting edge of these things. Yeah. And I think Montreal made a statement today that they were not going to be dropping this. Like, good. I'll say this. I know who's in charge of it. I'm incredibly proud. And I, 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 I'm not worried one little bit, not one good. little bit, because it's someone who has taught me a lot actually while, while I worked with the commercial Canadian. So that I'm, I'm not worried about that at all. And it's so important. A lot of people don't understand how important it is. Montreal Canadians are the um, largest Franco organization in North America. Like there's they're, like, there's so their influence goes so far and wide. And just from nights where we'd bring in um, um, like we brought in for uh I, was, I think it was really was Pride Night last year. We brought in a trans athlete and he was talking about his hockey team. And uh, we had like 50 people come and say like, there's sports for us, you know? Like, and we we're like, oh my God, yeah, absolutely. Here we go. And it was really annoying because it was essentially me Wikipediaing on him. Like, how is it to be like this? And I felt so terrible, but that, those are the steps we need to take. And as much as it sucks to see some outliers here and there, man, the work being done is so important and, and it's good. It's like overall really good, but I do not blame people when they get um, frustrated that their sure. marginalized community continues to be marginalized. That's a fair reaction. It is. It is. It, it's like you, you have to embrace it, right? And help, but also focus on, like we are, we are headed overall, I think, in the proper direction. It's just, I, I feel like this whole last half decade has been like the desperate last gasp of the worst people in the freaking world <laughs> and unfortunately it's led to the rise of like fascism unfortunately in a lot of areas but uh, hopefully we can get through it quickly without a world war absolutely and uh, yeah. then yeah. get back to the good shit and absolutely and trans rights are human rights 100 percent, 100 percent, and it's not a choice because frankly fuck you aristotle it's <laughs> <laughs> being christian's a choice that's wearing the jersey was a choice too. Something a choice that he made in the past and then mysteriously forgot about it and then just straight up lied about. <laughs> and then was shown video and was like, "That's not me." No, that's on not the, me. On the eighth day, he realized he's a fucking liar. <laughs> yeah, that's that's actually the fifth stall, brother. That's not me. Yeah, yeah, no, no brings up a good point. Not all hockey's bigoted, just men's hockey. I mean, uh, no, that's not true. Uh, absolutely not. I worked in women's hockey, and that's there's a clear divide right there. That is the divide, the political divide in the United States is right there, yeah. and it was there in the CWHL, and it was there in the no, no. no. I know that you. It, I also thought like that. I was a little, and I don't. I'm not saying, but I was a little ignorant about it. Absolutely not true. There is a huge divide in women's hockey as well. Yeah. Google Digital. says that Eric Stahl used the Shaggy defense. Wasn't me. Yeah. I appreciate the reference. Yeah, that right? brings me back to high school. All right. Should we put a bow on this? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. But 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 what we do want to make sure, um, you know, we talk about these things, and and again, we're we're three straight 
straight white males. So we we appreciate everyone being patient with us learning. We're also learning in this point. So um, we want to do as much as we can to represent you as well. So thank you for being there with us and educating us and supporting us and taking it easy when sometimes an old fogey like me doesn't quite understand like that. It's super important. You're making the sport better. And because of that, you're making the world better. So thank you very much. And for Pride Night, you know what? Special shout out to Robert. Robert makes everything run for Game Over. I don't think people realize my hero. how much Robert does behind the scenes. He is the MVP of this entire brand. Yeah. You know, he he's the jack of all trades. He does everything for us. And Robert is the absolute best. Love him to death. Big time. Let's, I let's can't believe that. I can't believe Robert and I have the same amount of hours in a day. Like that's, it's insane what Robert is able to do. Like just, I'm always in complete awe of, of the, the stuff that he's been able to, to put forward with you guys. It's really cool. Robert is kick-ass. And I just like to say one last time, trans rights are human rights. All right, let's end it there. Merci tout le monde. Game over! Powered by Sports Interaction, Canada Sportsbook.